But all right, uh, welcome to Carlsbad Bible Church. We're glad you're here and that you can um, come out and worship with us. If you will, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to, um, let's go to, uh-oh. There we go, to Luke. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. 9, 23 through 27. It says, <clears throat> And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory." And the glory of the Father and of the angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. I pray that you be with us as we get ready to worship you, Lord, through the preaching of your word and the singing of, uh, of truths that are um, extracted, Lord, through the word. And we just thank you, Lord. I, pray, I ask that you prepare all of our hearts, Lord. As we get ready to make this offering to you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, we love you, we pray in your name, amen. Good morning. We'll be in Philippians uh, chapter 2 again this morning. We're going to be looking at verses, more closely at verses 14 through 18, but we're also going to back up and look at verses 12 and 13 to get the uh, full context of this passage. But just... As a couple uh, background notes, it was a little over three months ago that Owen uh, started this and opened this series of studies in the, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And uh, last Sunday, Ray concentrated the teaching on Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. So as Ray had mentioned, in particular, verse 12 can be controversial, and it can also be divisive because of the... Uh, of the wording that's, that's contained there. But it's really useful for us to be challenged by Scripture and to move out of our comfort zone. Uh, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. And that's what God does with us. He challenges us to, uh, in different ways to cause us to grow. So we're going to discuss this a little bit more fully as we move into the message. But uh, as we go into today's... Uh, expository message which is centered on a group of verses uh, and they're going to be presented in context we need to check it for errors that are going to be contributed by me um, the word of God is perfect but the ones that are speaking forth the word of God are not so we're subject to introducing errors into, into God's word so I would ask you as you've heard many times from this pulpit to please be a Berean as we uh, look into this passage of Scripture. And the Bereans were those believers in the New Testament church that were commended. Uh, they were commended for uh, their actions when they heard teaching. And we find this in Acts 17, verses 10 through 11. It says, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So we see the Bereans were commended. They weren't uh, reprimanded 
for uh, going back and checking things. They were commended for that attitude of going back and comparing things against God's Word. So let's read this uh, passage in Philippians, and we're going to back up in chapter 2 to verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 18. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now with much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining or arguments, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above approach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding firm the word of life, so that on the day of Christ I can take pride, because I did not run in vain nor labor in vain, but even as I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way, and share your joy with me. Let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time we can come together and worship you, Lord. We've had this opportunity to worship you in song, and now as we go into your word, we wish to continue to worship you, Lord. And we just ask that you would take this time, Lord, and you would speak out the message you want brought forward, Lord, and uh, that our hearts and our minds would be opened by you to receive this. Uh, that you would uh, teach us those things you want to uh, brought forward, Lord, and that on our parts we would just push aside worries and cares of the day and things that are going to happen later, Lord, and just set this time apart. And uh, Lord, I ask you'd use me and uh, move me out of the way, Lord, and just uh, speak what you want brought forward this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, we're, we're going to look at the context of uh, last, week, uh, last week's message, uh, first, uh, Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. So we'll reread those two verses again. So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. So Ray centered last week's teaching thank you around these two verses. So we're going to consider them uh, briefly, both for the sake of context and for revisiting a challenging passage. Um, sometimes the method that's used for dealing with challenging or difficult passages is to skip over it. And uh, I appreciate that's not the method used in this church, and that Ray spent a considerable amount of time particularly expounding upon verse 12 last week. And uh, it's good. Uh, it's good to look at those things that are challenging. And I was thinking back years ago when I started to lead an adult Sunday school class at another church, I encountered the opposite of Ray's method. And uh, this had a huge impact on how on how I approach God's Word now and how I present things. So please bear with me as I lead us on a bit of a rabbit trail uh, about, my, uh, about my path on this. So in this Sunday school class, I had inherited a teaching curriculum from the previous teacher, 
and was uh, using that to guide our weekly sessions. And after a number of sessions, I noticed that although material seemed to be expository and it followed specific books in the Bible and went, went through verse by verse, for the most part, it would skip over sections of Scripture. And uh, it took a while. I wish I could say I gathered all this right away, but it took a little while of working with this material and God working with me to uh, notice why they were doing that. It was a, the common theme was to skip over uh, so-called difficult, complex, or controversial passage passages. And uh, the recommended schedule that they provided with this material also diluted the amount of time that would be spent in Scripture. So apparently the authors of this material did not want to make its students uncomfortable. Um, as a matter of fact, team building games and exercises were built into this curriculum and uh, other interpersonal activities, and they were all intended to uh, make everyone feel comfortable. And, uh, and you could actually spend, if you followed their curriculum, you could spend as much or more time on those things as you would on Scripture. Well, again, I wish I could say I quickly picked up on the, uh, this teaching materials goal, but really the goal was to feed everyone fast food scripture and uh, make everyone feel comfortable. So moving forward on my path, uh, we quickly discarded the feel-good and team-building exercises but this material was still seasoned with leaven, wasn't it? Because of, the, because of the approach. And it had some good commentary in it, so I really struggled with this and realized, no, uh, we need to separate ourselves from this, from this material. And instead, we focused on selecting books of the Bible and reading and studying God's Word directly, um, which is what God really intended, isn't it? He didn't make the Bible so difficult that we can't understand it. It's intended for us to look at it and follow it, follow it directly. But, you know, isn't that the way of this world? Um, we want to be comfortable. I mean, it's easy to point at others, but I mean, I know myself, I want to be comfortable. So we want to be comfortable and we want everyone else to be comfortable. And we certainly don't want to offend anyone, do we? Uh, they might leave the church. And so... Uh, you know, and you can find examples of that of making people comfortable in Scripture too. Uh, John the Baptist was really concerned about making people comfortable, and we find this recorded in the Gospel of Luke, Luke three verses seven through nine. John the Baptist speaking, he said to the crowds that came to be baptized to him, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to ourselves." We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Yeah, that's a real team-building exercise there. Uh, John the Baptist, he was speaking truth. He was being directed by the Lord as, as to what to say. And he spoke, he spoke what needed to be, needed to be said. Um, so let's come back to um, verse 12 and our background. And what is the meaning of that phrase, 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is a polarizing verse, and uh, it has some extreme interpretations. One of them being, once saved, always saved. This verse doesn't apply to you. You can just skip over this. Uh, The polar opposite of this is you can lose your salvation, which this is a shocking thought. So does this make you uncomfortable as we think about this verse? What What is Paul saying here? Do you want to jump over this verse and move on? Or rationalize it as Paul's hyperbole? If so, let it drive you into further study of God's Word and to pray for His teaching and understanding as you study His Word. I didn't intend to spend this much of the message on, these, uh, on reviewing these verses again, but after uh, much prayer and agonizing about this and how to review this passage, I was led to a biblical translation called the Pure Word. And uh, this, the goal of this particular translation was to translate directly from the original Greek and to provide the original full meaning in the text. Uh, The authors of this translation state, the loss of meaning that we find in most English translations is often the root of misunderstood doctrines, creating division among Christians. And that certainly applies to this text. And this has been going on for centuries. People have been divided divided over this text and what what Paul means. Um, So let's see how the pure word presents Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. And uh, Nick, will you, you've already brought those up. So, as we look at this translation, let me share another uh, set of notes from the authors. It's, uh, they say, nouns, pronouns, and verbs which pertain to God's attributes and characteristics or God's works works of the Holy Spirit in us, or works of angels as opposed to works of man, have been capitalized to further clarify the original Greek meaning to the reader. So as we look in this passage, it's being projected. Those words that are capitalized uh, bear that in mind. There's a, there's a meaning behind that as they, uh, as they translated that. The other aspect of this translation is it, it doesn't read comfortably because it's a, it's a direct translation. So let's look at uh, verse 12. So that, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my coming only, but definitely instead, now much more in my absence, you must be continuously by your choice producing your own salvation with fear and trembling. So let's stop there for a minute and look back at the words. Uh, The word obeyed is capitalized. So that, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, so we see uh, the intent of the translators is by capitalizing that word is that is, a, that is an aspect of God and of God's works and this would be a work of the Holy Spirit is what they intended here. Obedience isn't natural to us. Um, rebellion is a, is, the, uh, is a human nature. So obedience is a work of the Holy Spirit. So we see the, the focus here is on the Holy Spirit, not on us. And... Uh, and if you look further down, it says, you must continuously by your choice producing your own salvation. But salvation is capitalized because 
that's a work of God. That's the work of Jesus Christ. Not us. I mean, uh, the salvation is of us, but the salvation is not by us. It's by Jesus Christ. And then we, the phrase ends with fear and trembling, uh, which is a phrase that alludes to uh, reverence. Uh, let's move on to verse 13 in the pure word. Because it is God Himself accomplishing inside you both to will and to accomplish in behalf of God good intentions. We can see there's heavy capitalization in that verse, meaning this is all about God in this particular verse. Uh, God Himself accomplishing inside you, referring to the Holy Spirit working inside us and what He's accomplishing us, accomplishing God's will uh, to accomplish on behalf of God, good intentions. So uh, I think you get, the, you get the idea. These verses are not about, uh, particularly verse 13 is not about us, it's about God and about God's works. So let's, let's stop there because Ray in particular spent a lot of time on this last week. But I hope after reviewing verses 12 and 13, uh, as presented in this translation, the pure word, I hope we gain a better understanding of this difficult passage. But uh, whether it's the pure word or what I've said this morning or what Ray said last week, um, let's not depend on others to tell us what this means. Um, That's really the same as somebody chewing your food for you, isn't it? I mean, we need to be looking at these things ourselves and looking, looking for God's leading. And above all, we should never skip over God's Word. Uh, we haven't here, but an extreme example is only reading in the New Testament with the justification being the Old Testament's already been fulfilled and it really doesn't apply to me. It was written for the Jewish people. Um, that's, an extreme, that's an extreme point of view and I remember a young pastor I met years ago used to carry only the New Testament. And uh, I was talking to him one time, and uh, he, was, uh, he talked about the translation of his Bible, what version he was using. I said, well, that's pretty good. Where's the rest of your Bible? And, uh, you know, and it's easy, it's easy to do that. It's easy to focus on the New Testament because... It's such a beautiful thing for us and it applies to us. All the things of Jesus Christ are revealed, but the Old Testament is the foundation of all this. Um, And that's actually where our men's group on Wednesday night uh, has been struggling with the chapters pertaining to Ezekiel's temple. We've been at the back end end of the uh, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, for a number of weeks. And uh, it's resulted in many questions and time of prayer and studying, further studying on our part, the people that are in that, in that particular study. And we may have not arrived at a full understanding of these chapters, but it's been a time of growth for us, those that have participated in that study. So... Let's all of us use these difficult passages that we run into as opportunities to cause us to grow in the Lord. In verse 12, Paul is telling the Philippian believers to continue moving forward 
while he is absent and not to be dependent upon him. Um, and as we move forward into verse 13, I think Ryrie's commentary heading of the exercise of humility for this passage, verses 12 through 18, helps give us some further perspective. This is about humility, not about pride or uh, us standing on our own two feet. And it's not about us and what we can do. Verse 13 states, it's God who is at work in you. And just look at the number of capitalized words in the pure word in verse 13, and you'll, you'll see that. So these verses don't really require work on our part, and it's independent of other men, but it's more importantly about humble relationships and humble reliance upon God. So our salvation is only possible through the works of Jesus Christ, but our works demonstrate the condition of our heart. Um, let's continue uh, with today's message uh, by moving into today's text, starting with verse 14. Thank you, Nick. So Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining or arguments. This is unnatural behavior uh, for us. And so Paul is instructing us like a parent speaking to a child. No whining or talking back is what, uh, is what Paul is saying. And that's hard for us because it's natural for us, it's natural for us to rebel and to complain and to argue. Uh, we can get caught up, caught up in all kinds of different things. I mean, just listen to a political argument. How many, uh, I mean, argument's the right word. You'll hear a lot of complaining and heated discussion. <clears throat> so that's, that's the natural part of us, not the, not the Holy Spirit, but the natural man that's inside all of us. And it's really easier for us to look at scriptural accounts such as the provision of manna and to be critical of others, in this case critical of the reaction of the Israelites because they received manna, bread from God, to feed them, to meet their needs, and they, uh, they complained about it. Uh, they got tired of it, they got sick of it, and it's easy for us to be critical, but it is in our nature to grumble complain and argue, and we'd behave no differently than the Israelites did. However, coming back to the context in verse, introduced in verse 13, in this case, we would be complaining or murmuring about God's work in us and with us. And this can have severe consequences, and we find this in Numbers. Uh, this, uh, this was the complaints by the Israelites about manna. It's in Numbers 11 verse 1, I'll read this for you. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. When the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. So they'd gotten tired of eating manna, and they wanted to, they wanted to have meat, and they wanted to have the good things they'd had in Egypt, and God became uh, angry. And uh, there was judgment, judgment that was uh, resulted in this. But let's not feel superior about this, because if we'd been there, we would have done the same thing. Um, but coming back into uh, verse 14, uh, 
besides this aspect of it being wrong, how would the unsaved see Christ in us if we're acting like everyone else in the world? So let's move to verse 15 and look at Paul's reason for not murmuring. Philippians 2.15 So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So this verse is about uh, us demonstrating as children of God, demonstrating in a positive way. So the wording, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent, another way to look at this, or another wording could be, you will become blameless and innocent. And looking towards the end of this verse, it says, among whom you appear as lights in the world. Another uh, wording of this could be, among who, whom you uh, appear or shine, could be another word. The uh, Greek word could be translated that way as stars in the world or stars in the sky. <clears throat> but coming back to the overall theme of this verse, uh, it's a very humbling thought, isn't it, to think that we could become blameless and innocent like a newborn baby. If we follow the context of this passage, this is not done by our power. This is done by God. God working in us. And our work is to follow God's leading and to not complain. So we really have the easy part of that. Uh, we need to follow, follow God's leading and not complain. We, if we do that, we are then honored as being identified children of God and standing out in the midst of an evil world. It's a beautiful thought that Paul expresses here. Yet personally, I feel really inadequate and undeserving of such an honor as being considered, as Paul, as Paul described the uh, members of this Philippian church. But let's move into verse 16. <clears throat> Philippians 2.16 Holding firm in the word of life, so that on the day of Christ I can take pride because I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. So this, this, verse, this verse is teaching us that we are required to work. If we look at the beginning, holding firm the word of life. So the idea is we have to hold firm to that. That's our work. Uh, is holding on to this. Uh, it reminds me of Ephesians 6, the passage about the whole armor of the God. How many times in Ephesians 6 do we see the word standing firm? So this idea of standing firm, or in this case, holding firm, that's expected of us. That's our, that's our work that we're to do. Uh, the word of life, both Paul and John use that phrase, the word of life, to refer to Jesus Christ. So that's who we're to be holding firm to. In uh, 1 John 1.1, John says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. Uh, again, this, uh, this reference to Jesus Christ. So also in this verse, Paul looks forward 
to when Jesus returns, he expects to see the fruits of his ministry. He's worked, he's worked, worked hard with these believers in uh, Philippi. Uh, so he expects to see the fruits of that and that the Philippian believers, and by application us, um, haven't fallen away. They've stayed the course. And so what Paul is looking forward to is, uh, is this, that aspect, that aspect of seeing them as his crown and joy, and that's in Philippians 4, verse 1, a little later on. So Paul looks, he's looking forward to when Jesus Christ returns, and he expects to see, again, the fruits of his ministry, these Philippian believers at that time. So let's move to verse 17. This is Paul's allegory. But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. So Poole's commentary on this verse, and this is not Scripture, describes Paul's writing in this verse as an elegant allegory borrowed from legal offerings. So what Paul is doing here is he's comparing his eventual martyrdom. He doesn't know when it's going to happen. He just knows it is going to happen, that he's going to be sacrificed for his, uh, his testimony and his work for Christ. He sees that as an Old Testament offering which would accompany the sacrifices of the Philippians' faith. And we find this type of offering described in Numbers uh, chapter 15, verse 5. And you shall prepare wine for a drink offering, a fourth of a hen with the burnt offering or, or for the sacrifice for each lamb. So we see Paul is comparing his death as, as being poured out as this drink offering over the sacrifice that the Philippians have made, their faith, faith in Jesus Christ. So Paul's closeness to the Philippians caused him to consider this an occasion of great joy and rejoicing. And so... Imagine that. I mean, he looks at his death in, in such a positive way and as a cause of rejoicing. So let's go to the final verse in today's message, which is verse 18. Um, Paul again carries this thought forward. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Anyway, an interesting thought uh, about, about his death, something that we all cling to so desperately is life. And yet Paul is looking at this as a joyful occasion. So I believe uh, Gill's commentary, and again, this is not Scripture, really helps capture Paul's thought process in this passage. So these are Gill's words. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. He would not have them be sorrowful that should hear of his, hear of his death for the sake of the gospel and his blood being poured out in such a cause since it was a libation on their faith and for the confirmation of it, and would be to gain Christ and to his interest and to the apostle also. Therefore, they should be far from indulging grief and sorrow on that account. They should rather joy and rejoice with him who was ready to be offered up or poured out since he had run his race, and that not in vain, but to such a good purpose and especially among them. So as we stop for today, let's be thankful for being challenged and stretched by Scripture. 
That's being done by the Holy Spirit, God working in us. And secondly, let's not be concerned about the traditions of men or their doctrines, but instead be focused on the pure teachings in God's Word. Uh, Looking at Paul, he's a complete example of letting nothing stand between him and Christ, and he even viewed his own death as further service for the Lord. So may we desire to be like those believers in the Philippian church and continue to be humbled by the example of Paul. Lord, we thank You for this time we had in Your Word. And for Your servant Paul, Lord, what a testimony he is to us, Lord. So filled with You and focused on You, Lord. It's a daunting example for us to follow. And... Lord, we just thank You for this passage. And if there was anything spoken in error this morning, just pray that it would be left here, Lord, just to join the dust on the floor and that we'd only leave with the pure essence of what You wanted us to learn, Lord. We thank You for this time and we thank You for Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.